So, as the saying goes, uh, Shane, you're back this week. Welcome I back. I am. Thank you. Welcome back, Shane. It's very exciting. Yeah, were we, you, like, you were like packing or something last week? Yeah, we were about to go out of town, and it, and it got needlessly complicated. And so I had to like... I, it, the trip or it, the packing? The, the town. Probably both a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But we went to see my grandfather who lives just outside of Beaumont, which is a smallish city here. Um, right out, not too far away from Houston. And is that where Janis Joplin's from? Port uh, she's from Port Arthur. Port Arthur. Port Arthur. But 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 that part Port of the world, yeah, yeah, still refinery area. And we but. stayed in this really interesting hotel, um, very reasonably priced. The rooms were like kind of luxury rooms, but the hotel was like three stories tall and not in a boutique way. And most of the hotel was all like all of the glamour was spent on their their restaurant, their bar, and their lobby, like the stuff you see when you walk in, and then you go I upstairs. Like that like, idea. The tiles like mismatched in the shower and stuff. It was, it was an experience. Lot, in a lot of those small towns, it's like you get into those hotels, and there's not like there's not the premium for space that there is in like real tourist destinations. So the rooms tend to be enormous. Yeah, um, it's a huge room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just like. Walk around, test out the echo. But Skylar like went to the yeah. yeah. Skylar went to the window and she opens it up. She's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe we paid so little for a room with such an amazing view." And I was like, "Oh, let me check it out." And literally, it's just like a bunch of air ducts. <laughs> like we couldn't even see the city out the window. <laughs> the last time that we did uh, our family thing, and they were in Hunt, which is where Shane is more or less from. We stayed. We didn't end up. We were just going to stay one night, so we ended up staying at the. The place that my family had rented, and and we instead stayed at some little, like a very similar hotel to what you're describing, that was about three stories tall and largely unremarkable, except for the fact that it had a, a pool shaped like Texas. Sweet. <laughs> and so yeah, and so we would sit outside. And it was kind of in the summertime, so we would sit outside and like talk about like what part of the state people in the pool were in. <laughs> Mostly. Hey, didn't you what? live in an apartment complex that had a hot tub shaped like? Texas? No, it was it was a pool. It wasn't oh, it was a hot pool. tub. All it was right. a pool. It was right outside of my. You know what? Honestly, before we go too much further down this like new trip advisor podcast, why don't we go ahead and, and, and do the, the normal <laughs> one? So I'm Shane. Ryan. Kevin. And I'm Mark. And this is Somebody Likes It. Kind of a like a maybe sort of a brush with fame. Uh, I read an article today where a guy in the UK, uh, apparently Public Enemy, were doing a uh, an appearance, and uh, and like their cab left half the band, like maybe more than half, but like uh, like like, <laughs> and so the, a fan it, it, ended up least, giving them a ride. Yeah, in like, his Ford Focus. Yeah, and so they're all the all the band are crammed into this guy's car and he's ta- like he took a selfie of all of them so it's essentially this portly british man and flavor flavor and like that, that yeah that whole that whole situation and apparently the highlight of the trip aside from the fact that this guy's like i can't believe i fit all you people in my car and your public enemy uh was that um uh, Bohemian Rhapsody came on and they all sang it really loud. That's pretty funny. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. There's nothing about that whole story that's not awesome. No, it's great. I just want to know that, like, I just, my hope is, is that somewhere during Bohemian Rhapsody, there were still boys 
Like that he was just like dropping him in there. Boy! Yeah, like, yeah. Mamma mia, mamma mia, boy! <laughs> right, yeah, kind of. Anyway, that's yeah, that's my um, that's my current event. But there, a lot, it seems like there have been a lot of stuff that's been been going on these days. And uh, and the the it, the other weird thing about that article was that it didn't say whether or not that guy got tickets to the show. Like they were like, he'll have a memory that lasts forever. He better have like, gotten some plus one. Uh, yeah, shit for that. you would think, right? Well, I have one little one, and this is. Well, we knew that already. Oh, thank you. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, I have a. Uh, I'm gonna. It's a recap, briefly, and well, a few weeks ago, I discussed um, Morrissey's writing of, of amazing sex scenes. Oh wait, you have an interest in Morrissey? Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, today we wrote, and and, I, and I'll read like one, clip notes a, cli- a clip of, of said podcast. scene here in just a second, in case you guys had, hadn't listened to that that particular episode. But the literary review has who knew an annual bad sex and fiction award, and Morrissey won it. For oh my god! Well, congratulations! I, you know, I had my fingers crossed. <laughs> Is that- I don't think there was ever any doubt. All anyone would have had to say was na- uh, the literary review: bad sex and fiction, Morrissey. So Let's, are you going to share? Yeah. So it's it's well, I read it on the air last time, and um, and I'll just I'll, I'll reread it again. Maybe we'll do that every episode. It's pretty good. Uh, rehash stuff. Yeah. Rehash. Yeah. We'll just start with this. We'll have a new segment called Rehash with, that with, shit. More on Morrissey's, Morrissey's bad sex. Bad sex. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's a scene. <laughs> Eliza and Ezra rolled together into the one giggling snowball of full-figured copulation, screaming and shouting as they playfully bit and pulled at each other in a dangerous and clamorous roller coaster. Full coil of sexually violent rotation, with Eliza's breast barrel rolled across Ezra's howling mouth, and the pained frenzy of his bulbous salutation extenuating his excitement as it, what is it? I'm sorry, as it whacked and smacked its way into every muscle of Eliza's body except for the otherwise central zone. So kudos to Morrissey. Well, yeah, well, that sounds, sounds like dangerous. A lot of firsthand knowledge of the topic. I, I, uh, he, she barrel rolled her breasts. I just can't even picture like what that would look like. <laughs> What's that even mean? Well, it's like it's like you, so you, you put the, all that down on paper and then you look at it and you go like, I'm going to check this over one more time. Oh yeah, that's good. That's exactly what I meant to say. Maybe he but, maybe yeah. he had like a 14 year old ghostwriter. Maybe. So, like he would have to. Well, yeah. it, it, the the book is about, if I remember correctly, like it's a relay team, and um, like in the seventies, and there's oh, yeah. like a d- demonic possession is involved. And you didn't read the book, did you? No, I didn't read the book, but I read a lot of the like when 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 it was published. There were quite a few denizens well, he, of the internet discussing he kind this. Of famously, eschews editors, right? And that the deal, like probably. I, yeah, I, I know that when he was putting out his autobiography he refused to have it edited and he made sure it was on like the classic imprint um don't quit your night job morrissey yeah this week i picked the record and it is working man's dead by the grateful dead and what did you guys think because i have very i have strong opinions about the grateful dead but not as much about this particular album well i'll tell you what i'll tell you what sure we are going to cut this show at 30 minutes today because the Grateful Dead have a way of stretching at least five minutes out of every 60 seconds. I was actually going to say that uh, that today's show would actually be running for four hours. Well, no, that, that's the live stuff. That, that, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Well, we're recording this live. 
Like, oh, so, so yeah, you. so what we would do, like, we're laying down tracks right now. So what we would do is, um, I just want to make sure that in the middle, that there's a 27-minute stretch where we sort of say things, but we never really get anywhere. <laughs> just kind of noodle around verbally. <laughs> a little noodling. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it'd be a lot different than our usual shows. Not so much the noodle on this record, um, which I'm pretty... You're which is what that, I was expecting. You're saying that nobody put the noodle on the record? Put the noodle on the record. Put the noodle. Mike, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, God. <laughs> oh, I can't. I, inflating. I, oh, what I must have missed last week. Oh, yeah, that was um, great. No, but uh, I think the Grateful Dead. There's the, the. Can I share something real quick? Yes, please do. Okay, so this there was a there's a really amazing article on the Grateful Dead that was written in the New Yorker in 2012. And uh, and I found it, I found it about twenty five times as fascinating as I find the Grateful Dead, but uh, but um, uh, but it leads with a paragraph that I think kind of sum sum up the Grateful Dead's awareness of where they sort of stood in terms of the public perception. Um, says the Grateful Dead in, in San Francisco in nineteen seventy. Our audience is like people who like licorice. Jerry Garcia said, "Not everybody likes licorice, but the people who like licorice really like licorice." And I think that's, that's not that's a, that's, a, that's pretty totally good. accurate. Oh, like, the God, Jerry, there's no denying that the man was a genius, and he had his he had his fingers and toes in lots of different well, most of them musical. Yes, most of them. Thank you for pointing that out. Wow, I can't believe I just walked right into that. I, I think there's two separate things, and and like. It's it, when we did when I picked the Frank Sinatra record. This is kind of the, a similar thing that happened. It's so hard to just pick one album to discuss by these by these guys because of their legacy and their legend and whatever um, is an overarching larger than life. Well, to me, the, the Grateful Dead is more like a like a culture than it is a band. Right, but that, okay. So let me just let me put it this way. There's a there's a huge it's almost like we're talking about two different bands because they're they're recorded stuff like this or like American Beauty um are they're like little twee folk pop songs that happen countryish, country-ish yeah. And um and then you have the live version of the Grateful Dead which take those little tiny little nuggets and then you know spin them out for stretch them out for you know and they're half two hour to stretch and yeah they're almost two completely different bands well, it's kind of like parking lot culture you know Ryan came in this evening before we started recording and he pulled up a little bit of Casey Jones and played about maybe fifteen twenty seconds and he said that's enough of that and really I mean that's kind of what it is they've got these little riffs and these little hooks. And then that's kind of. I actually like that song. You, just, you fine. kind of chain from hook to hook. They all kind of run together, and that's the thing about this. Like I used to have so much vitriol reserved for the Grateful Dead, and to a large degree, I do the live version of them. But this stuff, this album is just a yawn. I mean, it all just blends together. Like there's no real. It sounds good. It's a good sounding record. Do you know the backstory, or I'm sure you do? Like the backstory on uh, how they got ripped off before this happened. And, no, they're. Like, I guess Mickey Hart's dad was like, that was originally their money guy, and he walked with like about 150 grand Jesus. of their money in in like 1970 dollars. And apparently went down the coast and rebranded himself using his own name, but calling himself a reverend and was like baptizing people. Like that's what he was doing with his money. Sounds about right. Yeah. Did he ever get caught? Oh yeah, no, he did time. Like yeah. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. He got put in the pokey. I never got the impression that they got the money back. Like that never that never came up. But it's like they got the money back. Not yeah, they, they got not the money from back. Him, but... Oh no no. Well yeah. sure. Yeah. No, I mean, we're not talking about did they replace the money. 
Yeah. Anyway, the point being is um, they talked about uh, one of the, the pieces that I read, like talked about the like when when he walked with all their money and the band was essentially broke. Part of the reason that this this record came together the way they did, it was a little bit more acoustic, like was because they just had to make do and they literally sat down and tried to record it quickly. And so which is again nine days kind of the yeah, yeah, kind of the opposite of that's about that's about your typical uh, solo. Yeah, in a, in a live, days. In a live yeah, one. Yeah, a dead show, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're beating that, that horse to death a little it's, bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, that horse deserves it. <laughs> it's it's hard for me to see how, like, listening to these songs, these collection of songs in particular, how one could get worked up one way or the other about this band. Like, I, I don't get what the obsession is. Like, Well, no, 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 but hear me. Hear you me, and I, I are the he, same. He, hear me. I'm the same. I'm the same way. But, I mean, I think, again, that, that has, a lot of that stems from the live performances and the and the culture and the community and well, stuff. Well, and that's but, what that's what always got got me all worked up about. That, yeah, me if, too. That's what I just said. Because when I was nineteen or whatever and living in a dorm, I'd you know meet some guy you know trustafarian type who would just have like a collection of cassette tapes that he couldn't wait for me to listen to, and they sounded like shit, and it was just a bunch of like rambling guitar line yeah i do not get it at all he may have lived in a but, bus at some point well right. yeah they yeah. all a lot of selling them. bracelets for a living burritos i met yeah. a guy with like yeah. a bunch of guys that like made burritos and sold them in the parking lot that's because you know what that's where the action really was in the parking lot. gravel dead parking lots uh, so oh, i've heard sure. of about a hundred times but no, no but hear me out this is what i'm saying about this particular record um i don't see how one could get worked up in a good about like loving it or hating it it's just a, it's, it's just fine. it's fine yeah it's a shrug of a record i, I mean, mean there's, I, it's not interesting think. it's boring as fuck i think it's boring but it's not I, bad I think the drumming is really thin well i can't that's the that's the thing that make, that makes me crazy about them live is um Didn't they have two percussionists drum, it's they had two percussionists and, and the drumming is there's too much and and it's ahead of the beat. Like there's no sinking. They have to play right on top of each other. There's you, there's no room left for like any sort of like uh, any pocket. There's no pocket with this band. It's it's really it's the opposite of like of a uh, of a jazz drummer. Even though people would say that they're you know jazzy, it, it's like jazz became not interesting to me when it became all about the head and none of the ass. You know, like in the '60s, like there, so you take the dance element, you take the, the sure. Well, people still. Dance to the dead, though, and it, but it's sure. weird little like um, they'd hold their arms like they're a Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know that little <laughs> like thing, and they kind of. There's a lot of swooping and moving. Right, it's like kind Ryan. of it's kind yeah. of like a cross between like how Axl Rose used to dance on stage, and then like the dude at the like the rubber guy that blows around at, at like car oh, dealerships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he doesn't. Yeah, it's exactly that. I just I just imagine that they're all like. I don't know, kind of floating around in burlap sacks with a hacky sacks up in the air, like sort of permanently. There's, there seems like, to be no rhythm um, taken into account whatsoever, but they but they all know how to do it, and it's just really fucking annoying. It is. Look at. Totally it is very annoying. But we're not talking. We're, you're, you I guys know, haven't I know, said. And it's, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to not conflate listening to a Grateful Dead record and having all this imagery. That well, I've been you sh- subjected to. Yeah, well, I mean, but by that's their fans. But that's the it's the same thing. I mean, you were able to do it with Bob Dylan. You have to. You, you, it, I'm trying. I don't to. have a problem or, or in disassociating my putting in headphones and not thinking about that and just concentrating on actually what I'm listening to and not thinking about the baggage. Uh, you know what? Let's listen to one of the songs. You play um, Uncle John's band. Of course. All right, let's do it. 
It's a buck, dancer's choice, my friends better take my advice. You know all the rules by now, and the fire from the ice. Will you come with me? Won't you come with me? Oh, oh, what I want to know. Will you come with me? Goddamn, will I declare? Have you seen the light? There was a built of cannonballs. Their model is the jet on me. Come here, Uncle John's bed. Playing to the tide. Come with me or go alone. He's come to take his children home. Uh, two things. I think, um, I mean, it's just a, it's a little lightweight nugget of a song. You know, it could just like, it, it, you know, just throw it up in the air and it'll float away. There's not a lot to this. Well, I do remember like thinking, you know, the harmonies aren't bad. And sure enough, they were hanging out with Steven Stills. Yeah, I was going to say, right. Crosby, Stills, and Nash did that a lot. Not that I love Crosby, Stills, and Nash by any stretch of the imagination either. But, but it, it feels like they did that way better. better. They they called it stacking vocals and they like legitimate, like they intentionally like tried to do at Crosby Stills. Oh, it's I mean, like, it sounds you, exactly. All you have to like, do is like hear that and 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 no, be it's aware. Crosby Stills and Nash with a less compelling melody. Well, right. that's what I, you know. That's yeah. There's not much, there's not in the there's not a lot of way in the melodies. Um, but you, you can't know, hum this song. <laughs> you, hey, you know what? But you know what? <laughs> I, I think Ryan just. Had a <laughs> that's your new. That's what you should do. You should become a Grateful Dead impersonator, and that's I just home all their stuff. You just, <laughs> that do is a little T Rex dance. And, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, how did he end up in a home? Of my vocational <laughs> future. You need to write that down. See, I keep I keep throwing you great ideas every week. And you never write them down, and you never remember them again. So, wow. um, not that there's like it's not stored somewhere, you know, that you could go back and anyway. I'm getting ahead of myself. I think your whether or not you like the Grateful Dead, like this kind of stuff, the the on the albums, or you don't like it, in a lot of ways boils down to do you absolutely hate Jerry Garcia's voice, or do you like his voice? I mean, I really do like. I can't stand his voice, and it makes I'm not that into it. It makes I, me I not able to listen to these songs. I don't hate it like you do. Like I, I genuinely like the song "Truckin." I was, I was hoping that was on here, uh, but it's not. Yeah, it's not a bad but song. I, I really like that song. It, you know, it kind of chugs along and like. There's a compelling. couple. There's a couple uh, of songs I like. It's, it's not like his voice just like you know takes me out of it. It's their music. Well, I agree with that too. But I'm saying his voice definitely doesn't hurt it. I mean, it takes these songs from being like lightweight trifles that I would listen to in the background while like clean my house to I don't ever want to hear this again because I can't handle his nasally voice but I had there was a record that came out in the early 90s I forget what year like 91 92 and it was called Dedicated and it was a bunch of people like Lyle Lovett Dwight Yoakam um, James Taylor might have been on it I can't remember anyway that record was great and you listen to it with different people without the sound of these instruments and the way they played and you're like oh there's there's some actually good songs in there just not the way that they do them as long as those guys don't as long as you keep those guys out of the studio (laughs) so uh so another little snippet from the New Yorker uh, piece this guy the guy wrote the article says 
first memory I have of the Grateful Dead is of a classmate in sixth grade telling me he'd gone to see them with his older sister. He reported that the band consisted of a bunch of hairy old guys in baggy clothes sitting on a stage eating spaghetti. It occurred to me later that he might have made this up or that his sister had perhaps said something about noodling. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, yeah. There, but... There is and one of the things that like true or false, Shane, like when Shane sent around that well, this is what we were doing. I was like, OK, expect me to do lots of bits about 27 minute guitar solos. And and, and Shane said, no, well, their you know, their studio work is much more concise. It is. And it is. It clearly is. Like it clearly is. They're just two different beasts. Yeah. Look, I don't like but, this either. But I mean, but to get worked up and be passionate about this album in particular is a weird thing to do because there's not a lot there. It's just perfectly <laughs> You know, at the end of the day. Yeah. The other, well, another thing that kind of strikes me as interesting about the dead crowd, and we could we clearly, we could easily fill an hour just on all of the stuff that we've kind of touched on already, but um, but I looked at the sales figures on, on this record, and it took, like, it went gold, and then it went platinum, but it took it three years to go gold, and it took it like I don't know sixteen. I think it went platinum in eighty six. Yeah, something which like that. probably coincided with. I mean, their 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 biggest hit was "Touch of Grey," which right. I think that album came out in eighty six. That sounds about right. Yeah, it could. I mean, it could very well be that's that. A, that that's was a fine it was, song. Like, yeah, it's just fine. There's other yeah. songs. I mean, like it's a touch of gray. Not too much. There was Not one song on this record that I liked quite a bit, and that was "Black Peter," which I've heard. Um, it's one of those. I guess they didn't play it live very much. So if you talk to a deadhead, um, would their eyes get wide and they're like, "Black Peter"? <laughs> and I've heard. It, I've literally have had a couple of different people play that for me, and it's so just sounds like everything else, and it's so, so boring. To me, it's like if if Coen Brothers fans were like even more obsessive and like <laughs> like had like a touring circuit of like Coen Brothers festivals or something. <laughs> That they couldn't stop talking about. That's my relationship it's to the Grateful Dead. It's rich kid it's, music. It's art. Like, I mean, they're not, you know, just throwing stuff at the wall because, you know, cynical top 40 fashion or whatever. Like, I'm sure they thought they were making good music. Like, no, I mean, it just doesn't do anything. If you break me. it right, if you break it down to, to its individual parts, I mean, there was a lot of, they were mixing it, you know, they were mixing in country and a little bit of blues and mixing all this stuff, but none of it looked. The birds were doing certain one aspect of what they were doing better. I'm talking about, um, you know, later when uh, the Flying Burrito Brothers were doing what they were, were doing, kind of, but better. I'm, th- you know, in the '70s, Crosby, Sills, and Nash were doing what they were doing better. Um, I just, I don't understand. It, it, well, I do understand. They never sold a bunch of records, and this is why they 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 realized really quickly that that people responded to their live show a whole lot better than. Well, and it's the right. You're like to your point. It's the package, not the not they the were individual. Very successful like, at knitting together a cohesive culture that brought together like-minded individuals that could just hang out with each other. So this is the other weird byproduct of us covering this record this week. So I've been listening. There's a there is currently. I guess are we? Is it like the twentieth around the twentieth anniversary of Garcia's passing? Like it's something like yeah, that. it was this year. Okay. I think he died in August of '95. Well, there's a there is a Grateful Dead specific channel on SiriusXM now, and so anyway, I've wow. never listened to a minute of it before this week, and uh, good God, so uh, so 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 I'm listening, and the and one of the one of the things that they do, I guess, a couple of times a day on that channel is they'll they'll run, you know, I don't know, thirty minutes, an hour, longer 
of like specific tapes that were made at a specific time, and they just and they. I heard some of that actually on um, on the actual anniversary. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just yeah. remembered on the actual anniversary of his death. Uh, I was driving back to Austin, and they had excerpts of that. Like there was a show on NPR, and they were doing the same thing. Like um, I think yeah. it was American Roots or something, where they they were picking different eras and well and i don't know if everybody know, who's listening to this knows this but the the dead encouraged people to tape their shows like they it was part of the culture it was like come on out tape the show uh trade them well and that's that's what propagated that whole culture wasn't it sorry yeah yeah so yeah it, it, i guess the, the the my point is is so, so i'm listening to this channel and uh this guy's talking about whatever date the show like i think it was, it was a show and 1980 or thereabouts and he was like uh they did apparently this is the other thing that like kind of gives you an idea about how obsessive dead fans were they did and these were san francisco shows but they did 12 of them they did 12 dates in a row at like kind of a semi-intimate theater in san francisco and this guy said of the 12 dates this dj went to eight of them and then he said something else that he intended to be like as like as a bonus on top of everything else about getting to see us, and he referred to it as psychedelic gravy. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I have no clue. Like you just, I'm so lost. Well, sounds like we a had wig. That, we had this that this year at Thanksgiving actually. Psychedelic, psychedelic gravy. Yeah, yeah sure. Pretty yeah. nice, dude. If you guys have never seen this before, it is one of the more amusing things in life to 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 come across two old hippies. Comparing notes on the various shows they went to in the seventies and eighties, Grateful Dead shows they followed around, and then it becomes a game of one-upsmanship. Well, they're like specific oh, sure. dates. That no, you I know. Bring up and then like if you were at that one, oh man, dude, trust me. Like the watch, it's it's a beautiful. I've seen it many times in my life. Uh, yeah, they, they'll. They, it's a game. It's a, it's, it's, it's Kerrville Folk Festival. Yeah, there's that and and yeah, just very old settlers and some of that other all, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, hey, yeah. can I just can I point out real quick um, that Robert Criscow ever uh the um what do you call himself the dean of uh <laughs> like the ex- exalted yeah, yeah. emperor of rock criticism yeah ever ever confrontational uh gave this album an a oh, good for him yeah. who who would have thought maybe is that same for almost <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear another one of these you want to well, you want to play uh trucking since you said you genuinely like well, that it's song? not on this record. it's not on the record like uh, it's not uh-uh. no. oh no you I know was, what i'm thinking of casey jones yeah, yeah. Casey jones, yeah it's another that's, song about driving yeah let's play uh let's play casey jones. all right let's do that driving that train how cocaine casey jones you better watch your speed trouble ahead trouble behind and you know that notion just crossed my mind This old engine makes it on time Leaves at your station about a quarter to nine At Trevor Junction at 17 to at a quarter to ten You know it's driving again yeah, that's when it gets into the 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 
capital G, capital D, Grateful Dead stuff that I just don't like. That that squealy, like too busy drums that are just right on top of the beat. It's just. I mean, how long is that song? Four minutes? Because it sounds like four minutes in the first forty seconds to me, like personally. So, so Shane, in all of your in all of your research, have you come across the uh, or do you know of Betty Boards? No. So Betty Boards, this is really fascinating to me. And this is like when I started digging into the stories behind these these songs. It's like, so you take this like stuff that I think to all of us sounds a little bit drab and like whatever. We, we've talked about all that. Um, they had a, they had somebody who was like designated to this Betty, whatever her last name is. I don't know. It's not, uh, top it's of not mind. Bored. It is not bored, but, um, but Betty would sit down, Betty, uh, had a reel to reel and she would record, like they became aware very early on that they needed to tape their shows or that, that, that they were getting like, to your point, like a different reception live than they were on some of their recorded material. And so they had somebody who was designated just to archive these and sh- they would do these on these big sort of, you know, real, real things. And, uh, anyway, she did that for years and years and years, some point or another had a falling out with the band over money. These band guys were like, had sort of bad juju around money. It seems like, yeah, like, and hard to imagine to that whole scene, like not being super fastidious with uh, cash, but anyway, she would record these, and Betty boards are a lot of what you, they have like turned into albums. Those are like the seminal tapes. They are the seminal tapes because those were the ones that were recorded like tied straight off the, the big, mic. Yeah, yeah right on the big board. Anyway, um, and there's a lot sort of more interesting to share on that, but we won't go down the rabbit hole on it. For, um, suffice it to say that Betty boards. Far be it for me to criticize. I mean, the one thing that should be recognized is like, look, it's just not my thing. But for a lot of people, it is, and it did it did engender a community. Uh, yes, there are a lot of things. I actually like. do like licorice, but I don't like this licorice. <laughs> I, I and I love I licorice. I, I love it. See that when you were reading that, I was like, yep, like, yep, I yeah. love it. It's a very specific taste for a very specific person. But yes. Anyway, all right. I'm but that no, person. But what I do admire about the dead is they. They did kind of pioneer this one weird, like business model slash community thing that they kind of put together, and it's not a bad gig if you can get it. Well, it was really organic. I mean, it started from the ground up, and and that's something to be appreciated. I mean, especially today when things just come out of the gate so much more prepackaged than at any other time. Um, I, I mean, sure. ad, ad, admiration is a, is a good way well, to think. And there's that. more How many noise. Bands have like, like inherited their mantle. I mean, like Fish obviously would be the big one. String cheese incident. Yeah, or sure. uh, like I mean, there's there's probably whatever whatever is McGee like Humphreys McGee super yeah widespread panic yeah oh, yeah. yeah all that shenanigans yeah none of it does a damn thing for me but the people who follow them I, I will give oh. them this. They seem mostly harmless and nice. Well, but it's nice to be part of sure. a community. I mean, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But let, let me tell you this, though, um, of of all of the progeny they spawned, um, I would much, much, much rather put on this album than a Fish album because they trans- – and or a whatever, Mo album. They, they, they incorporate that noodly stuff uh, – Noodly angular stuff a, a lot more of, than this album does. There are a this is listening. songs that I genuinely like, but I don't know that much about them. Okay, well, there are a couple of these. who's got the middle today. I've got the middle. So I never remember. Do we talk about it ahead of time? We want to go into the thing. 
We're going to play some music. We're going to play some music, and then we'll talk about what we're going to do. All right, whatever. Okay, uh, are you ready? Now, Mark keeps Mark sporadically pointing at me like he might be on fire. Um, or you're in that, uh, what is the uh, the swimming segment from SNL? You're not angry. I'm not you're a just, strong finger. Uh, you're swimmer. not angry. You're a strong <laughs> swimmer. Male synchronized swimming. Yes, you're, yes. Not ang- you're not angry. You're, you're just not pointing. angry. I can't, I can't, no, I hate you. Hey, I know you. you. I know, I know you. you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, we welcome uh, welcome to a few minutes with <laughs> pardon by a pardon few our with weird Martin Short from thirty years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of things that happened a long time ago, today we're going to listen to um, one of my favorite tracks. I was like, what what would be a good song to do uh, a few minutes with uh, on this week? And we're going to take a crack at Mott the Hoople's "All the Young Dudes," which oh, has got a great story behind it. David Bowie. Well, yeah. sure. Yeah, but it's got a great great story behind it. Thanks for blowing the punchline. We'll talk more about it after we hear it. Don't want to stay alive when you're 25 And when you're sitting close to Bob's and Sparks And Freddy's got spots for ripping up the stars From his face, funky little road race The television man is crazy Sam with juvenile delinquent wrecks But yeah, so if you watch the video that we watched, and uh, please do I recommend it. Yeah, it's just it's, for the B roll, really. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's it's, why it's, it's 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 like all B roll, a few peculiar shot choices, many peculiar shot choices, and then there's a little stamp in the top right corner that just says glamour. Glamrock. Glen, <laughs> glamrock. Case, glamrock. Case you didn't know what you were like, could we be any more well, literal? I thought it said Glenn Beck, but I thought which I thought was weird. Yeah, so the early <laughs> that, that is a little that weird. Is weird here in the early seventies. But yeah, so Ryan, you touched on this before we listened to the song, like. It is that that track was written by David Bowie. If you know that, like, well, and Martha Hoople totally, was a real band, but he yeah. just he, the only hit they ever had. Yeah, he just basically well, took over the band. And was like, come on, fellas. Well, they were about to break up, and he heard that they were about to break up, and he offered them. This is what I thought was really fucking fascinating. He offered them Suffragette City. Like that was before that record came oh, out. Wow, oh, he, he offered them I'm that. Glad he they didn't take it. I know, right? And I so, like, like favorite Bowie song. Yeah. It is my favorite Bowie song too. But you can tell that it's like totally penises. from the same era. Like it feels like the same era Bowie. And so anyway, the, so I thought that was really interesting. The other thing that I thought was really fascinating before we, well, we can continue to talk about the, the video. But like the other thing that I thought was really fascinating is that like they always like, if you, if you read up on the Wikipedia stuff for these guys, it always 
for or for any band really it noodles through what their previous incarnations were like what they were called anyway and this i i laughed out loud when i read this earlier uh that one incarnation of this band was called Silence. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, let, like, let, like shut up. Irony. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's not like a Lennis Morissette irony. That's real irony. No, that's real irony. <laughs> Let's just let. I just want to go on the record to say that um, in in keeping with what you just introduced, Mott the Hoople might be the worst band name I've ever heard in my... It's quite I don't a, know what a hoople is. It's quite unfortunate. Mons is like well, an applesauce company, I think. Uh, well, but that but they're British, too, and this is, like, whatever, 40 years ago, so I don't think that... Anyway, so it never like gets explained. Like, uh, in their in their Wikipedia entry, it never gets explained. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, wink, wink, nudge, it, nudge, this is what a mod and a hoople is. That never never comes up. Well, it's like, unwieldy to say. It's it's hard with those... Yeah. With the mod... The hoop. Well, and if you type it in, uh, Spellcheck tries to fix it all the time, so I kept getting Mott the Hoopla, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is. That could be the cover band for their one song that everybody knows. Hey, that's a pretty good song. It's a I great think. song. I enjoy but, that song. For uh, I, I do. Like, I, I enjoy it more when I'm not intently watching them and listening to the lyrics. I just want to tune the lyrics out. The lyrics and, are bad. And the, yeah, like and they the, don't mean anything. And I, I, I what is it? Say, all the young dudes carry the news? Is well, that, right. So I guess it's talking about specifically young guys who are on newspaper routes. It's like... It might be. That should be like the music that plays over the credits of Newsies. Like, According to Urban Dictionary, a hoople is a useless or self-serving organization a wasteful business run by incompetence, a public sector organization with no useful purpose other than to generate paperwork. So they're it, kind of calling themselves losers. Well, I yeah, I, I yeah. was going to say that actually complicates my understanding of their name, Mott the Hoople, which is a hard name to say. My favorite, my favorite shot in the whole, and there's a lots to love. By the way, like it, it's like who who built their guitars for them? They're like these amazing, unwieldy, like Viking axes. No, they're like, they're, and it's totally like. If you couldn't tell that it was glam rock because they've got it stamped in the top right corner, like you could look at those guitars and go like, "Oh, totally, that's the thing." That, that's the that's the, the spinal tap stuff. Reference T Rex, which is like, oh yeah, the, yeah. I noticed that the definitive T uh, glam rock band. Yeah, that and the the lyrics aren't as bad now that I look at them. Uh, well, it just the it, chorus I, is a little. I just rogue, think that it's really interesting. Is that like what you've got is like a really early career boy uh, who is just cresting, who is like oh, this just, is right around Ziggy Stardust time. Well, right, and he's just like, for lack of a better term, like just vomiting great song after great song after great song. Like he's like totally in the zone, and he sees this band that he that he likes for he whatever took a reason. Too, yeah, and was like, like, "Come on, guys, you can do this." And then and they're like, "No, we can't. No, we can't." And he's <laughs> like, "Fine, here, let me do it." Yeah, here's a song. Record this, and they did, and they're still playing. Like, so I it's when a I, great song. It is a great song. When I looked them up today, I expected to see Mott the Hoople was a band that started in the early '70s, and what it said is Mott the Hoople is a British band, like blah blah blah. And I was like, "How? So, why would oh, you not?" The the British word "mot" is slang for a prostitute. So this is basically a disorganized prostitute. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, here's the other thing that I find really interesting. Ian Hunter, the guy who uh, who sings this song in uh, this incarnation of Mott the Hoople, um, also 
is the guy behind the Cleveland Rock song, the uh, Drew Carey Show theme song. Good like, work, Kevin. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, no, and let's be clear. Like, Bowie sang this song for them on this song, right? Like, I don't think he did. I think, I think, he think did. Maybe. Well, I'm not. I I have we'll have to look that up. I did not. I knew see he that. wrote the song, but I've never I, heard that before. Yeah, I got that he wrote the song. The the song was his, and he gave it to them in order to try and keep them no, together. I think he actually sang it, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, when you said Ian, my brain you were going to say Ian Anderson. Is that what you said? Isn't Ian Anderson? Ian Hunter. Ian Hunter. I'm sorry. Yeah. Ian Anderson is the singer from um. Well, what's the flutie band? Um. Boston College. No, they other. played. Fl- he played <laughs> flute and stuff. I can't. I can't think oh, of you're thinking and, of and, um... and, 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 and he like and he like what he would stand. He would like cross oh, his leg. Jethro Tull. Yes, yeah, Jethro, Jethro Tull. Tull. Yeah. And I was thinking how amazing it would be to have that dude. Like what the dog? But then, are you but then about? Ian Brown. I was thinking that how amazing would it be Ian Brown from the Stone Roses if, if oh, he sang that song? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just so as far as I stuff. could tell, Ryan, uh, this was. Written by David Bowie, but it was originally recorded and released as a single by Mott the Hoople, with with Ian singing it. Good David Bowie, and then David David Bowie actually did record it later on. Yeah, and he and again, like he offered them Suffragette City first, and they turned it down. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Fascinating, which just goes to show you that maybe sometimes things work out the way they're supposed to. You know who else covered the song? Bruce Dickinson, the Iron Maiden singer, and he did a solo album. Oh, of course. And it was just God. a bunch of guys riding around on motorcycles and shit in the video. That's that's the video we should watch. <laughs> so Bowie himself once claimed that the song, this is from Wikipedia, uh, once claimed that the song was not intended to be an anthem for glam. It actually carried a darker message of apocalypse, according to an interview Bowie gave in Rolling, Rolling Stone. In and newspaper delivery. 1973, the boys are carrying the same news that the newscaster was carrying in the song Five Years from Ziggy Stardust, the news being the fact that the Earth had only five years left to live. Well, Bowie explains all the young dudes as a song about this news. It's no hymn to the youth, as people thought. It's completely the opposite. Yeah, no, I, th- I think he made that shit up when he was all high one night. Yeah, well, and even if that were the case... How old are you now, Dave? <laughs> like that that ship sailed. Well, and he's just released a new album too, so Yeah. So anyway, yeah, anyway, I just uh like this song and this is probably this is why these guys are playing cruise ships or doing whatever they're doing these days. Like this song still makes me happy. Like I don't care what the baggage is, like I yeah, think it's a good great. song. So no, terrific song. Thank yeah. you, Kevin. Right. So anyway, I wanted to pick something that was uh of a similar time period and yet somehow uh, as as the Python didn't would say, sound like the slightly different. Uh, let's go back and talk about that. The more that I think, oh, and by the way, um, I just want to say one thing. I still can't get that goddamn Mott the Hoople song out of my head. No, so, that's what happened. No, it's good, it's good yeah. though, because it's taken away like all the Super Grateful Dead hooky. stuff that was there. Yeah. I mean, like, those guys are in the groove. It, it has a it is memorable a, hook. It's a musical sorbet. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> like what, a palate cleanser? Yeah, it's a palate okay, cleanser. Okay, like, okay. it was intended okay, to be okay, a palate yeah. cleanser. All right. Yeah, that, that, that does make sense. That was beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I was gesturing. So, like, so, well, that's good audio. Okay. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's good exactly. stuff. Thanks for. I've got to figure out how we can break that fourth wall in the podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. So, but with regard to the dead. Okay. Well, um, and this is the I guess pretty much the the last thing I want to say. We're going to listen to 
um, a song here in a minute um, that is my least favorite song on this album by far, and it's because it does that Grateful. Once they get back into that Grateful Dead, I just don't like the drumming and the way it all fits shambling. together. It's shambling, but it shouldn't be. It's like robotic and shambling. It's like I a find shambling. That really interesting because at one point you talked about the the live organic feel of it. You no, know, I'm saying th- that they grew up or like their audience grew organically. Live, I can't stand that shit, man. Like I want to shoot myself in the face. I'm just saying the the way the audience but grew wouldn't organically. Wouldn't you say that their live stuff is organic? Yeah, yeah, but it's not the kind of playing that I like. If I want to go see like me personally, like a, again, like I like jazz drummers that sit back in the pocket. Um, and this is just right on top of the beat, and it's hard for me to listen to. It sound it makes me feel like um, like I had a little too much coffee sometimes. But I Can mean, I the live stuff. Have you ever sold a bracelet in a parking lot? No burritos. Burritos. <laughs> what yeah. about a bracelet? What about a burrito with a bracelet around it? I know. What did these guys do? Like all these, all these like nineteen year olds, you know, twenty year olds, like Jerry died, and there's just a bunch of like they went to home. Fish, they went to fish shows. <laughs> I yeah. guess. I guess you're right. Yeah. What is that? I mean, it just had to have been said at least once today, but, uh, and all of you guys know the punchline to this, but, you know, what did the Grateful Dead say, fans say when he, when he came down? Oh, this music sucks. This music sucks. Yeah. 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 It's pretty apt, I think. Well, and it's one of those things that, like, even the dude that, uh, that wrote that piece for the New Yorker talks about, like, the vitriol for this band among people who don't get the dead thing. And it's like, I think we're all pretty affable guys. Like, we don't get it. But we're interested in exploring sort of what it is that sort of made this. Well, and, and like the people that up, I've known like, that are into the dead, and in fact, like uh, at least three out of the four of us here are friends with a guy who like has been to dead shows and, and really liked them. Uh, our friend Cheeto, mm-hmm. and I, I remember like asking him like, "What's up with this fucking dancing skeleton thing?" <laughs> like I don't I don't understand. Or the like, gummy bears? That's supposed to be like it's weird to me. He goes. Well, it's a happy skeleton. <laughs> okay. Look, there's a. It's just not our thing. I mean, yeah, I, I, there's I, a bear in there somewhere. Like, I don't understand. Well, it's sort of like it's, showing a dog a card trick. It's similar That's, to like, sure. you know, me going to Kerrville. You don't get that. I get it. It's just it's an outlier of. I get Kerrville more than I get the Grateful Dead. Well, like you said before, I mean, it's fun to sit around a campfire with all your friends and drink beer and play guitars. I mean, yes. one of fun. one of the points that you made earlier, Shane, that I think that kind of gets uh, that. Another in this sort of long exploration that happens in this New Yorker piece that I just uh, I wanted to share again was uh, this guy characterizes um, kind of what he understood of what he came to understand about certain things that the dead put out. As he said, the music was somehow both pretty and mean, bouncy and diabolical, busy and clean. You could get lost in it. I went again the next night. He was talking about the first time that he saw them live. That show, in retrospect, was the best that I would see. Now, this is the guy that went to like eight of twelve shows. This is not the guy that I heard on SiriusXM. This is the guy that wrote the piece for the New Yorker, who who basically was told that by his friend who went to go see a show with his older sister that they're like bearded, oh, baggy guys that said yeah, yeah, spaghetti, yeah. the noodling joke. So, um, so anyway, the point being is like, like basically, I think that. This guy sort of reports on this from the perspective of somebody who gets, who understands why people don't get into this band, the people who don't get into this band. Yeah, I understand it too. But also, but also like he, uh, he immersed himself in it at a young enough age 
that he has an appreciation for some of it. Well, that goes back to something we've talked about on the show time and time again. It's um, if you, you it, get kind of you, if you get into net, it in high school, you're seventeen, you're, you're there hooked. for life. Right. You're hooked on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, um, yeah. It's weird because this band, uh, two things. It's fun that that community that this band engendered. Um, created lifelong friendships and like we were just you know making light of it a second ago ryan like laughing about curveball and stuff but it's true you meet these people in these circumstances you become connected and close to them and of course that's gonna have a well you know if it, like an older like or if a friend's older brother had taken me to a show when i was like 17 and i'd taken the right drugs no, but I, I might have a different opinion. Not even I'm ta- I'm talking less about the music than I am about the community. I think the community itself is just as important when discussing their legacy. However, that has nothing to do with this album in particular. Um, this is this particular Which is just fine. Period. It's fine. Yeah, it's a limpid set of featherweight, lightweight little All folk right. pop songs. So yeah, so here's what it, where I was going. So so he says among the haters. Uh, and he and he drops the the same joke that you just dropped. He says, "What's to hate? Even the fanatic can admit to a few things. The Dead were musically self indulgent, and yet to some ears, harmonically shallow. They played one and two chord jams that went on for twenty or thirty minutes. One live version of Dark Star, a modal vamp on another record, uh, based on uh, a Mixolydian scale with two short verses and no bridge, clocked in at forty eight minutes." to have been in Rotterdam. <laughs> well, I mean, said, well, and I'll just sorry, I'll wrap this up. He said even their straightforward songs could go on for ten or twelve minutes. Ten or twelve minutes. Popcraft buffs, punkers, and anyone steeped in the orthodoxy of concision tend to plug their ears to the noodling white jazz buffs. Often find it unsophisticated, nameless. That's brilliant. That, yeah, yeah. Th- those last three it, sentences or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. I I definitely prefer punk and concise well, pop songs. But and, the white jazz is what I was saying earlier. Like, yeah. Like, shit, tell me where we're going. But 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 like, this this proves my point. Of what I like what he says or it backs up my point in that I think a lot of people's appreciation for the dead is rooted less in their music than in the experience that they're having that is based yeah. around their I music. I do kind of wish I yeah. had gone to a show. I do. I definitely do. It One sounds or, like it would have been a great time. I right. guarantee you, I've been it to. Might have been. I. It might have been fucking deathless hell. It, it, <laughs> I probably probably you might have ended up dancing like a T Rex. No, I don't. I, I think the look, the explanation where you dance like the one of the car car lot uh, things with the, air the blow yeah, up in the middle, inflatable like a, tube guy. Yeah, the inflatable tube guy. That sounds about right. Mix him with like the way Axl Rose danced. Yeah, yeah, I like or used it. to. Da- yeah, whatever. I guess danced implies used to dance. I don't know. I, I no longer understand Maybe conjugation. May still, still dance. Who knows? <laughs> In his bedroom right. by himself. So Shane, you wanted to introduce a song that sucks. Now I'm actually now I'm thinking back on it. I've I I think I'd like to play the only song that I really liked on this album, and that was uh, Black Peter. So why don't we listen to that? Yeah. 
sin and Jim say the weather down here so fine. I dig that song. And to me, like, and you know, the the dad are a mishmash of blues, jazz, folk, a pastiche, you, if you will, a pastiche. I will. I'll bite on this one. And a this cornucopia, me, like, like, is it them? It's white boy, nineteen thirties blues. Well, it's atmospheric, and that's the thing. Like, it, it, it's it, it's it's a slow build. Even the drumming on this is good. And then there's and then like there's the slow build. Well, they finally feel like they fit together. Right. Like, all the yeah. Parts right. Together. Even Jerry Garcia's like thin voice sounds good on this song. I don't know what it is. Just and and then and then slowly like all of a sudden out of nowhere that B three with a Hammond comes in. Um, oh yeah, the B three with a Hammond. The organ, dude. I know what a Hammond is, but I don't know what you mean by the B three. It's a. F- it's like the most famous fucking organ in the world, except you know maybe like an organ you have in your body. Um, but. <laughs> You, I got an organ for your body, but <laughs> my bulbous member um, glasses in session. No, it's a good song. It's atmospheric. It's everything that the rest of this album is. No, they're in the pocket with each other. They're in the pocket, right? And also, there's this kind of like lazy way that. Oh, are you guys still laughing? Uh, there's this. There's this sort of lazy feel to the whole song. That kind of. This is the weirdest thing about the dead. They're alternately sloppy and frenetic at the same time when you hear their live stuff. They're like playing really fast and stuff and like playing all this shit and it's really sloppy at the same time and like slow. By sloppy, I'm saying like sloppy tends to, you know, slow. There's like a slowness and a real fastness at the same time. This guy says, uh, I swear I'm not going to like bit, bit the whole article, but there's just one more thing. He says, they could be sloppy, unrehearsed. They forgot lyrics, sang out of key. Delivered rank harmonies, missed notes, blue takeoffs and landings, and laid down claims by the dozen. Their lyrics were often fruity, hippie poetry about roses and bells and dew. They resisted irony. They were apolitical. They bombed at the big gigs. They unleashed the multicolored dancing bears. That's <laughs> all of that is like, is correct. Hundred percent true. Yeah. But, but 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 that article just backs up again what I was saying a minute ago. Like people, the reason that the that in my opinion, I mean, I don't know, not having been necessarily a part of that, but, but watching it peripherally for a long time, I think the people that really, when they wanted to go do a dead show, the dead show meant a whole lot more than the dead, you know? Oh, no, and it was you never, for, like, going and you, to see a show. Like yeah, you form all those show. memories about how great it was for the experience. There's actually a really good book about this by Douglas Copeland, uh, Polaroids from the Dead, and it, it's all short stories from different perspectives of people going to a dead show. That's a great idea. Oh, it's a great book. You should read it. Thanks for sharing that with me. I, yes. I think I will. I'll go home tonight and order it. You should. It's probably like five bucks on Amazon. But it, it is. you do bring up an interesting point, Ryan, which is to say that, like, okay, so Jerry Garcia dies, and then what do all of these people do with their time? Some, to, to what you guys have said, some of them, they go to fish shows, or they find another I think fish, like, inherited... A good portion of their audience. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know people that I was kind of making light earlier. I know a lot of people, or I've talked to a lot of people uh, in the intervening twenty years that that's definitely what they did. Yeah. But I think a lot of that too, like 
you know, you, you, you'd have this, you know, like, let's take a year off from college and follow the dead for a year. That's not, that was like a rite of passage for a lot that of people. like something that I would love to do in theory, but would <laughs> probably hate about, in practice, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, then, I don't know. It's yeah, a couple months in. You're like, I could be on a bullet oh train God. in Europe. Crap, this music. <laughs> you sucks. would meet. You would meet a girl. Yeah, I was gonna say you're not really thinking about the music at this point, yeah. man. Yeah, you would meet a girl and you'd follow her across yeah. the country for a year. Her name is Sunflower. That's right. Yeah. You say that in jest, but I've I've known quite a few sunflowers in my life. I bet you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I guess point is is like you. You get to you like you sort you get to the end of one of those periods and then you know you move down the road after that like let's call it what it is like it's both a culture and an industry like has kind of moved on and then what you're left with 20 years later is a sort of high vo- like velocity nostalgia well a search like, for authenticity yeah i mean that which truth, is a, which is a similar totally you know now it's it's there's a there's a tangible element to following the dead and also you know we talked about this earlier like the how they organically built their fan base and there's something that's gritty i mean not just because people weren't taking baths every day but there's something that's gritty and real (laughs) about following the dead around nobody shaved it's like men or women you could you could tell who the dead were actually everybody smelled the same i could be going out on a limb but i don't know that they ever really thought of this as a commercial enterprise i think they oh, did. They did by the eighties. They man. did. I mean, for sure. They I they mean, paid them. I read this that they paid themselves a salary. Um, they like they had to pay because it was such a huge touring behemoth, and it was so expensive to take their sound equipment around and all this stuff. Like they they had to like instead of just getting royalties and splitting royalties, they had to form these corporations and pay themselves a weekly salary. But that be that and was, the bonuses too. They paid that, themselves bonuses. That was sure. a, that was kind of a byproduct of. What they were doing, the unwieldy doing machinery this. of the touring. They were oh, really I mean, they doing had to this out, it out a lot, on the weren't they? I mean, more than like they went into it going like, "Oh, hey, we're gonna have this weird thing where we, uh, what are they? They would like send tickets through the mail." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say this: like, had like eighties REM been like a touring dead enterprise, I would have dropped out and gone on tour with them for a year. Like, yeah, no, I get, I get all of that. It, it just, and the thing is, is I think and. Just because I don't, just because I hate the sound of them playing live, does not detract from the fact that I guarantee you, had I gone to a dead show, it would have probably Blown been amazing. Mind. Yeah, no, no, just I, the experience. I just wish. Yeah, I wish I had done it. I didn't know he was gonna die. Well, I don't. Is it, I don't think anybody did. But God, is it? Ir- yeah, is it well, ironic it that? Will. Is it ironic that uh, that now that he's dead, he can't go to a dead show? Like, I mean. I think on that note, we're going we're well, to... I do, I do, the last thing I want to bring up is, do you remember the Jerry Garcia tribute song that you wrote? I don't want to talk about it. Yes. Jerry. Jerry. That's about all I've got. Yeah, that's all we I think about that all of that song. I was hoping that you didn't remember that, actually. I remember it. I don't know how long... All I remember about that song is the only line I remember is that uh, when he played guitar, shimmering drops of liquid crystals emanated from his fingertips. But that's well, that's basically the experience all everybody had at, at all Grateful Dead shows. I, so. I think so. Hey, I heard an interview with Jerry Garcia not too long ago. The guy was hilarious and brilliant and on point and gregarious. Like 
um, like I love. I was like, I love you. <laughs> like you're you're so great. I don't like your music. Why do you just talk for a living? Yeah. Why did you just talk? Why are you dead? See, now? you know, he he could have had a podcast. Where's and paid your all finger? His bills. <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually, hard to have I a podcast I, in 1995. But well, but but I, to your point, if he like, had lived, had he lived, had the time synced up, like I do think that that guy would have done. <laughs> Hey, at the time synced up. Yeah, maybe had, he should have played such songs. Stay, stay, stay. <laughs> they ate up minutes from his life. <laughs> yeah, had had it worked out that he was alive when uh, podcasts came into fashion, hit it would have been an interesting one. I'm sure he was a really guerrillas erudite, just a it's an intelligent man, and um, I wish I you know wish I would have heard more of that. Well, and that's but, the thing. Like they, I think they were. An intelligent band making music that I just don't care about that much. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, like like I said before, like I had so much vitriol for this band before, and I still can't stand that live stuff. But like you know, this album today, like it's, it's not cynically bad. Like you know, like the the pop music that's crafted to you know fit a certain niche and sell. It's just not very good. It's not snack it's food. Just not, it's just yeah. not. It's definitely not something that I would. And now there are some great. It's, it's like a bag of trail mix, you know, with like some stale raisins in it. Like, what? I just what, not. You want to eat the rest of the trail mix and throw the raisins out? Well, <laughs> I don't really want any of the trail mix. Like, I, I bet, mean, it's sustenance. I bet had you followed the dead in the '80s, that you probably would have had a couple bags of stale trail mix. I in bet your if you would have at least had the almonds. I bet if you were lost in Muir Woods, you would damn sure want some trail mix. I mean, if that's all I had to eat. Yeah. Let's get out of here. All right, All let's right. move on to the next segment. Ryan, what do we have today? MIA. Oh, interesting. Oh, does okay. that mean we'll not be able to find what you're going to play? <laughs> well, I mean, there is some controversy on that. I found it uh, before I came over. I don't think you got the bad March. joke he was leveling. Oh, he did. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the, the song is being uh, cast off. I, I don't know what the legal issue is. But anyway, she has a new song and video. Well, let's listen to it, and we'll talk about the controversy afterward. What's up with that? That that is the main uh, current vocally, uh, lyrically through that song. What's up with that? However, like powerful video, pretty and, powerful, yeah, and currently relevant. Doesn't hurt that the song is pretty great. I mean, I, well, see, I, I would, like the song. 
I would say, other than the topic and the video, there's really nothing unique about this song. It's not unique. It's just a good, again, like we talked about this earlier. Well, it doesn't have firearms in it, so it's different. for. It's got, but it's got the finger guns that she usually does. She did like do the, the finger little, guns. little air finger guns. Yeah. yeah. It, there's nothing groundbreaking, definitely, in the song, but it's like a good listen. It's a kind of, like, it's, again, we talked, like, with the Grateful Dead being back, this is kind of good background music. It's got a good beat. It's got a good, I mean. Yeah, this is not raising to the top of my next playlist, but, like, decent song. It is a decent. Uh, but she directed the video, and it is currently socially relevant with uh, some sure. migration issues. Uh, yeah, refugees scaling fences, and he's talking in, in the the video about, you know, like, we're just like, fuck these people. We're, we're creating these these boundaries and creating these boundaries between borders. Borders is the name of the song. Yeah. the name. Oh, yeah. Did we even say it was... Did you say it before we uh, mentioned I didn't, it? I did, actually. Yeah. It is Borders by MIA. Uh, and it is it is like a brand new song and apparently has been pulled down from YouTube a few times. And why? I don't know. Like, why? There's nothing controversial in it, in well, my she's opinion. She's on Interscope, and I don't know if they're trying to control the release or what, but... Well, I mean, maybe, that, maybe that's why. I was just going to say, because of video content? I mean, it's not controversial. At the, at the very least, like... One of the things that we can probably all agree on is that the that that the content is like I got one of the things that's, that's pretty interesting about it is like it's kind of it's this choreographed approach to like getting the message forward that she wants to share about yeah the refugee uh, presenting the slog about of the misery refugee like, plight and and it's done in an artful way well it's done in a way that I mean there's 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 some things that that even to people that are, pay attention to it um like when you see the the boats and the people like you know crowded on the top of the boat well, like like a well and there's a boat like made out of people like like a battleship yeah uh that she's put together the video was great yeah no i thought it was fine no, it wasn't uh, a good video this is the this is the thing that i was going to show you that brian that i that i teased before i uh before we actually oh, you watch that have a contact with i have a contact within that band so like we like um we had we had conversation. We won't go down the rabbit hole on this, but we had conversations with the drummer from MIA to come in and do the twenty by two show at South by Southwest. Mm. I think it was this this past year. But anyway, she was great and super enthusiastic, and she just liked it because it was a creative idea, and it made me have a greater appreciation for that band. Like they're not; they've never been my necessarily my. I'm not, probably not their target audience. But, I don't know uh, that it's a band. It's a well, it, act. it's it's yeah, like it's, an act. Well, it's it's MIA is, yeah. and I can't remember like her whole name, but it's a variation. Like MIA is a different, right, right. Variation. She's Sri Lankan, and so it's a a name that. Well, all I'm saying is that she's a solo artist backed by a band. Backed sure, by sure. a band. Yeah, uh, totally fair. At any at at any rate, like I was just like. I got the, and it could have just been. It very well could have just been the enthusiasm that an artist has for coming down and being in the middle of South by who is not here all the time. Like could very well be that. But at the same time, I was like, you know, like I think her enthusiasm is great and the timing didn't end up working out. So we couldn't make it happen. Yeah. It's timing a lot of times with that stuff. Yeah. I read an article years ago about when MIA first broke, there was maybe it was CMJ when new music monthly was still coming out, Mm -hmm. but it was like, there was a cover article about, um, and don't hold me to that, but like it may, very well may have been CMJ New Music. They were talking about 
MIA is coming out and she will rule you. Like it was like some sort of like super grab you by the lapel headline. And, um, and like, you know, the reality is, is like people that like the crowds determine that for themselves, but she's still a compelling act in it. And this is a, I, it was a fun track. Maybe not fun's probably not right. <laughs> yeah, fun's not the best word for that. <laughs> Frivolous. Well, maybe not like fun, it. but compelling as hell. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, I think I liked on. it the most of anybody in this room. And it was nice for me to get into something with a It had a beat. message, for sure. Well, with a message, but I'm saying with the beat after listening to like the Grateful Dead. The shambling... Like what's Sham- happening shambling right now? Slash drink too much coffee at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about 1973. Let's talk about next week. Oh, let's do that. Uh, I think I've got next week. You do have next week. Uh, So I love the first Strokes record. I have never heard another Strokes record all the way through. I've heard various singles. So I want to do their second record, uh, Room on Fire. Okay. Yeah, I'm right with you. I think that that this is it is one of the best rock records. I love that album ever. so much. Not even I'm not even qualifying it and say the best rock record of the night or the early 2000. They ought. I think it came out in 2001. It came, it came out in 2001. It came out ten like, years after. It came Never out mind. Like, like a week before or two weeks before 9/11. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get into this next week. But good pick, man. So anyway, yeah. Till next week. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. I'm Mark. I'm Shane. I'm finally last. This is somebody likes it.